1: Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the 2nd freaking Comics Podcast, starring Mark Clare and Rimsel Martinez. He's a lover, he's a schizophrenic, he's a mercenary for hire. Yeah, we're talking about the moon night. I know you don't want to listen to my voice, even when my voice is fine. I, I, mean, I, I don't
0: usually cut in this this early into a show, Remzo, but I, I have to say, I, have, I just have to do it because you know our, our fans our, our fans know, they know how dedicated we are to this to this program, to this, this comic book community we built here. But if there's ever been a greater uh, example of dedication, it is the fact that not only did you start off the show, not only are you doing the show while you are quite under the weather. I would say, uh, you started off with a fucking song braving your way through this thing. Bravo.
1: Mark, every, every community has its own Kenny, (laughs) a person who just routinely either disregards their own health or safety, or is just so accident prone. Nothing makes sense. And I feel like I, I have a special affinity for the character. We're going to go ahead and talk about today, because let's just look at this past week. I I was finishing a jujitsu class And I was walking up the stairs. I literally slipped going up the first step. And I was like, oh, that could have ended really bad if I hadn't caught myself. And then I get to my car and my ankle is the size of a softball. So I'm thinking, oh, my ankle is screwed up. This won't be the worst thing that happens. And then I have one of the toughest work weeks of my life. So by midweek, I'm already like emotionally drained and physically wanting to kill myself. And then I think I'm having a bad allergy attack. And then I start showing like COVID symptoms again. So I'm like, oh my God, like not, this can't happen to me twice in one year. Like I, I caught it in January. I got the shots a month ago. This is fucking unfair. So I went, I went to urgent care yesterday and I got tested. So, you know, they, they picked my brain and stuff and they're like, good news. You don't have COVID bad news. You've got influenza. Hey, did you get your flu shot? And I'm like, you're not fucking stabbing me again. So, so now I'm, now I'm here and you know, we, we do this show. We got to
0: get you a bubble, man. We got to put you in quarantine. I, I think.
1: This is the only glimmer of happiness I currently have right now. I'm not getting locked down again. Fuck that. Okay.
0: Well, fair enough. But this
1: is already an explicit episode if we have said it. stay
0: safe because I suck at solo shows. So I, I kind of need you to keep this thing going.
1: Have you ever done a solo episode of SPC? Only in
0: the bonus. Only in the Patreon.
1: It's like they judge you mm-hmm. silently, and I, I, you know, I did one bonus show like months ago during the summer, and ironically, it was when everyone hated me because I had a not so nice comment about the recent Mortal Kombat movie, and they still don't let me everyone forget. Everyone so hated I wouldn't. You.
0: It was very nice. Everyone way to say it. hated me. <laughs> we had fun discussing it in the group.
1: But uh but folks welcome back. Uh you know, I sound like steve-o from Jackass, but I'm hoping that you'll go ahead and shed some love. And before we get into the main topic of the show, I need to shamelessly self-promote a little bit, but I'm going to let Mark shamelessly self-promote how you can get more SPC while I take a sip of my Gatorade. Fair
0: enough. Well, if you would like to help us uh build the bubble to keep Remzo in to keep him safe for future podcasts, uh the best way to do that, the best way to support the show uh, is by heading over to our Patreon Patreon, patreon.com slash second print pod, where you get to hear me do solo shows. I just did the first episode of a new bonus show called what Mark missed to where, as you might imagine, I go through stories, storylines, runs, that sort of thing that Remzo recommends to me, uh, from my comic book, dark period, the, the 10 years or so, uh, between, I would, I would put it roughly around 2002 to 2012 ish, 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 where I wasn't really actively reading comics at all. So I'm, I'm going back through some of those runs. So the first one I looked at was Warren Ellis's thunderbolts. I'm going to be doing Batman battle for the cat where uh several people oh, yeah. sort of uh... Well, I don't know what happens. I Haven't read it yet, but but this takes place right after one of Batman's deaths, the one that, the one that was at the hands of, of Grant Morrison, uh, which we'll we'll probably get into that one in on the the podcast proper someday as well. But um, you know th- this is the lifeblood. Thanks to SBC patrons, we don't have to sweat uh, sweat off our backs. The cost of you know web hosting, the cost of podcast hosting, the cost of really anything, because from the beginning we have had an amazing community supporting what we're doing, and we have just seen that community continue to grow. Uh, patrons get to be involved in the uh, the Facebook group. Uh, we also have a discord not as active there but we're, we're trying to build that one up too and of course tons and tons of bonus content Remzo rants like I mentioned what Mark missed um, we just had the summer reading list this past summer that Renzo put together all sorts of bonus content you can get it all for as little as $5 a month. And of course, uh, different levels, you get various things. You get to hop on a monthly call with us at the journey into mystery level. And at the Kirby cub level, you actually get Kirby club level, not Kirby cub, Kirby club level. You get to produce an episode of the show. And there's one coming this month in November, towards the end of the month, we're going to be doing one of our Kirby club specials. So looking forward to that from our man, Eric again. And we actually have a new Kirby club member that joined last month. So you'll be getting another one. Oh, I think he actually upgraded back in September. So you'll be getting back to back Kirby club EPS in November and December. So uh, these are my favorite wing things to do because it's, I, I know we're at least pleasing one fan when we do those episodes, because he's literally telling us what we're going to do. So it's ex- exciting stuff.
1: We're all in this together. People let's keep the SPC nation growing. Uh, who, we're We're definitely going for not somebody I would consider an a lister by far, definitely not a B lister, but this is a c lister and c lister in some cases sounds really mean, but i'm going to call him a cult classic because now he's getting an introduction into the m c u through Disney plus getting his own show featuring Oscar Isaac as the lead. We're talking, or Oscar about
0: Isaacson, as I think I heard you say. Os- Oscar, in the, maybe in your Dune review. Also on the Patreon,
1: uh, he, he's Leto Atreides. That's all I need to know. The Duke himself, great actor, great story. It's getting uh, you know, not like a Hulu or a Fox release or anything like that. He's actually in the MCU. I'm happy to finally see Moon Knight. Mark, what has been your understanding? of the vengeance of Konshu himself, Moon Knight.
0: Uh, Moon, Moon Knight is one of a, a vast array of characters who, uh, much like, say, a Blade that we talked about a, a little while ago, uh, one of those characters that I've always kind of been aware of, they're around, maybe they appear in some of my favorite books, and I say, oh, that guy's kind of cool, but had never really dug too deep into. Uh, although I will say, when I first started getting back into comics, started diving into Marvel stuff, uh, I did stumble upon Jeff Lemire's, or is it Jeff Lemire? I have no idea. Uh, But his run on Moon Knight, I think he had like a 25-issue run that I dove into and and plowed through, and I really enjoyed that one. So that that was like the deepest I ever went on like a a Moon Knight proper run uh, until I read Today's issues, where we actually get into his origin story and the the initial Moon Knight series. So, uh, I, I will say the limited exposure I've had to the character, I really like the character. I really like various aspects of the character. I like that it, it really opened th- th- just the way this character is structured sets up so many interesting things that writers can do with it. And uh, you know, Jeff Lemire certainly did that. Jeff Lemire, Lemire. I have no idea. Uh, Jeff, let's just call him Jeff. Uh, he, Jeff. he went in some really. Uh, he went in some really interesting directions uh, with the Moon Knight persona or various personas however however you want to see it but um we'll get into that more as we dive into into this episode but uh from my little exposure to the character i do really like the character a lot but just wasn't one that i got really into growing up
1: yeah i mean he's really an acquired taste and to his credit and i'm not saying this is a discount um he is a what, what i would call a motif superhero he's a batman kind he's a zorro kind he's a phantom kind Um, They follow this very linear archetype of a masked hero of the night who secretly lives a much more lavish, extravagant life by day. And we'll get into that in the series. But, you know, that's not to say that makes him cheapened. Some motif heroes are really popular. Like I would probably say the most popular motif hero is Deadpool Hmm. because Deadpool is a is an homage of not only Spider-Man, but Deathstroke. So, you know, when when you copy something, it doesn't necessarily make it cheap if it's good and it's self-aware. And I feel like Moon Knight in some series has really done well with that. And in others he hasn't. But overall, there's a reason why fans really love him. And I remember the first time I read about him was I think in Ultimate Spider-Man issue 107. It was the beginning of the Ultimate Knights arc on Ultimate Spider-Man. That's where they brought in uh, Moon Knight to team up with uh, Dr. Strange, Spider-Man, Iron Fist, Shang-Chi, and Daredevil. And then I also got to play alongside Moon Knight in the Spider-Man um, uh, Web, Web of Shadows video game where he was actually uh, a character that you could use to team up with you to fight other people alongside Luke Cage, Wolverine. It was, it was really cool. So this was an opportunity for me to see a character who... Isn't always really brought up in comics, even his own. So you know, with the fact that they've decided to bring him into the MCU, especially if somebody um, you know the caliber of Oscar Isaac, I mean, it's it's um, it's fantastic. I think people are really gonna fall in love with this character.
0: What would you say Moon Knight is sort of constructed from? Is there's a little bit of Batman in there, maybe like a uh, you know the rich guy who has another identity, but that's only you know one one sort of facet of it.
1: I mean, a little bit of Batman, uh, the Punisher was around at this point, And this is when the whole comic books industry is going darker. So I would definitely say, uh, the Punisher, he also, um, you know, I, I and, and maybe we're just going back because I, I would also probably think of the shadow, hmm. but the shadow, in, you know, inspired Batman in the ways that the spirit inspired Batman, but the spirit was also inspired by the shadow. So it's one of those th- chicken or the egg Very scenarios, the yeah, I mean, I would just say that he's he's following in line with a lot of archetypes. I would say he's definitely more motif because let's look at him. he's got gadgets, he's got a scary costume. people can't tell if he's a hero or a villain, he doesn't look like a good guy, um and you know he's got a sidekick, he's got technology, he doesn't really have any powers I mean he's definitely. Uh, borrowing a lot. Well he definitely does develop his own lore and his own mythos. Um he sorts of a lot of what I would call a lot of borrowed reputation.
0: Yeah, and he definitely has like a lot of elements of uh, more of like the spy character, like you said, like the gadgets, the money, the uh, the the uh, the foreign-accented assistant, and, and that that sort of thing. But then he also has that mystical element where he is, you know, you know, with Conchu and and all this stuff. But we can get into the origin story and and let people
1: decide for themselves. Yeah. So we are on the way back. I, I want to. This might be the year? oldest oldest
0: uh, book you've ever brought up on the show or either of us. Maybe. I
1: think so. I mean, I, I think this was 1984, 85, 1980. 1980. Yeah. This yeah. is the oldest one I've ever brought the up. The
0: year of my birth, Remzo wrap your head around that one.
1: So I wanted, I wanted to go back. Originally I had different moon Knight series picked out. I had the one from 2005, 2006, but I thought to really, you know, build up from this point going further. I really wanted to go way back. So people know, uh, Moon Knight originally appeared in Werewolf by Night. It was a horror comic uh, by Marvel about five years prior to this. And he had basically been forgotten. And in that issue, um, I have that issue back home. He's very much an anti-hero. You have because the original? You have the original issue? I think I do. Is that or a reprint? But I do you know I have it? that one um,
0: with the, the series coming out. Yeah. I mean, we know you're holding um, on to all your comics. So
1: let's be honest. I'm never. I'm not. Sh- yeah. So in that one, it started kind of like Wolverine appearing in the Hulk. He starts off really as a bad guy. And then as the story progresses, you begin to realize that he's actually not evil. And his whole gimmick in that series was that he hunted, um, you know, monsters. So he would hunt like vampires and Frankenstein creatures and other like, you know, um, bigfoot strange shit like that so he was kind of like a blade ripoff at the time so years passed much like Ghost Rider, which we covered a few weeks ago so much time had passed and because he was such a random character people kind of forgot he existed so when they went ahead and brought him back here it was really a good opportunity for them to say we don't even need to reference that let's just go ahead and have a fresh start even when wolverine came into giant size x-men he was still alluding to his first appearance in the Hulk. And when he's talking to department H and the Canadian government and stuff like that, before he went to go work for them, moon Knight, people didn't even remember that. So when they start off here, they definitely start off really from the beginning. So I'm pulling out the premier issue, moon Knight issue one. And I gotta say, like I miss, I miss the fact that I think the art of, um, of the omnipotent narrator that that style in which they used to write in comics. It's so lost these days. And I don't think it's necessary all the time, but I really do miss it. Uh, it starts off with this omnipotent narrator. I
0: always just imagine that it's the watcher
1: with Stanley's voice. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) All right, true believers. At dawn in the Sudan, the memory of the night's merciless cold lingers in the bones while the day withering heat has already begun to sear the flesh. Yeah, I'm a fan.
1: It was at dawn when the mercenary commando squad under the command of the skull faced terrorist for hire Bushman hits the rebel camp just south of the Egyptian border. At Bushman's side, Wrote his second in command, Mark Spector. And right now, I love it. They start off with this real horror moniker on top the macabre Moon Knight. And you see, you know, this the specter of Moon Knight in the background foreshadowing where the story is going. But you really see what, what I think of is a Lawrence of Arabia style poster with Mark Specter yeah. and Bushman uh, you know, like riding on horseback into this town killing everyone i mean you already know that they're probably not the good guys but it's a cool freaking way to intro a comic mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. basically mark specter and bushman and the other mercenaries ride into town and they they kill everybody but you begin to realize real fast that these guys that they were killing they weren't necessarily like enemy terrorists or soldiers or something like that they look like just regular people who were defending themselves so Bushman comes over and he looks like some voodoo witch doctor mofo. He reminds me of, uh, uh what was it? Um, uh, it ba- ba- reminds me of uh, Temple of Doom. Who, who's all the guys? Who's the Temple guy from Live and Let Die, the Roger Moore Bond film? Doc Holiday, Baby Doc Holiday. You're
0: the 007 anyway, the guy. Anyway,
1: skull guy who gets killed a lot in Live and Let Die and then comes back at the end, that dude. Um, but anyway, he looks like that. He's a creepy mofo. Um, Rodzi of Coney 2012. And uh <laughs> yes. so he walks over to Mark Specter and he's like, Hey man, why aren't you celebrating? We just took down the whole village. And Mark Spector looks at him. He's like, Maybe I'm remembering I'm a professional soldier, not a butcher, or maybe it's just the heat. And Bush man walks over. He's like, You're a good man to, uh, you're too good of a man to go soft, Spectre. If you uh you must be bloodthirsty, ruthless to survive in this profession. So immediately, Spectre's realizing that this dude, while he might be creepy and, you know, quote, eccentric, like I call some of my clients, um, you know, he's probably <laughs> actually a bad dude. So what we see right now is that Spectre's definitely no hero, but he also has a conscience and a code of ethics. And right now, he seems to be crossing that, and he realizes that. So uh, what we see in a Chinook helicopter, uh, we meet Frenchie, who is one of Sparks, uh, who's one of Specter's associates. And he's going ahead and giving them, um, you know, some maps to go ahead and find this other location. Uh, Spectre kind of knows what's going on. He knows he's supposed to help fight a bunch of dudes for Bushman. But he doesn't necessarily understand, like, why, though. He he hasn't really asked that question. And right now, him and Frenchie, who's French, if you haven't caught that joke already, um, they're kind of wondering, like, whether or not this is worth it
0: this is a this job pays pretty well. But should we really be hanging out with this freaking face-painted psycho?
1: Yeah, so basically what they're doing is they're going to this town next door, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find this archaeological site where Bushman's going to go ahead and get, like, a bunch of ancient shit that he could sell on the black market, like most, what most these guys do. And Spectre is just like, you know, I don't really think uh, busting Egyptian tombs and stuff like that for gold is really going to be worth it. And he's like, uh, Bushman's like, gold is always worth the risk. With enough of it, a ruthless man must achieve conquest of entire Sudan and Spectre's just like, "Okay, man, like this is th- th- this is too much for us, Frenchie. We're, we we got to stop this tonight." And Frenchie's like, "Oui, Mike. Oui." Um so the next page we see that the the attack on the village has happened. And you see the splendid artwork. I mean, it's just like it it's very um I'm trying to find the word for it. It's um it it's not lifelike. Splendid work. Yeah, splendid. It's just really good. It's very it's very late 70s early 80s. I really like it. I think I think a lot of artists they take a, take a turn towards like hyper realism, like super realism, like f- almost photograph style work. But sometimes you just kind of let the art play loose, and it still pulls off. Um, but next, you know, uh, we we take us we take a turn, and we're looking at this house where you have this this uh, woman and her father. They're archaeologists, and they're really worried about whether or not they should leave, or if someone's going to save them. But they have all this stuff from the archaeological dig. So at this point. Uh, the father is just like, you know, uh he'll find us eventually. The artifacts we brought here to study, like this jeweled dagger he grabs, like this crazy temple of doom dagger, um, and forces to lead him to the dig site so he can steal all the precious antiquities we've worked for five years to unearth. He'll destroy them, melt them down for gold. And the daughter is like, um, what are we gonna do? Like this you, you were arch- we're 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 archaeologists. We're not gonna fight this guy. And uh, the father's just like, I, I, uh, I must do what I must. Bushman must be stopped. Stay here. And she's like, no, father, I beg you. So Bushman's in town telling his soldiers to go ahead and, like, search around, break some shit, do evil pirate shit. And um, next thing you know, on the guy is behind Bushman. He's about to lunge at him. But Mark, and I don't know why Mark does this because he already emphasized that he doesn't really care about this dude, uh, Bushman. Uh, he doesn't really like him either. He screams, "Bushman, look out!" And he smacks the dagger out of the guy's hand. And next thing you know, um, Bushman has one of his soldiers uh, quickly, you know, uh, grab the archaeologist. He's like, we're going to take him to the square, you know, for a firing squad. I think it
0: kind of works here for me because it, it shows like that Mark Spector is it, – it helps us kind of see the the transition of Mark Spector here because he starts off like he is – he's sort of like in soldier mode. So even if he doesn't like this Bushman asshole and –
1: He's still obedient because he's his boss.
0: Yeah, he's still like part of the team and he's you know, even if he doesn't like him, he's not gonna let him necessarily just get assassinated right off the bat. So it, it I think it works for his to like show us like the soldier mentality of the Mark Spector the Mark Specter portion of, of Moon Knight's personality, you might say.
1: Yeah, and, and this next part I think is important because it definitely lets you know that this is where things are gonna change for Mark. But it also sets the tone for the book, if it hasn't already, because you have a lot of action books where it starts off all action-y, but they kind of avoid a lot more of the violence. What Bushman does is he wants to make an example of this guy, but he also wants to show Spectre how cruel he can really be. So he grabs the archaeologist, and he basically just like mangles him and breaks his neck, killing him, and Mark is just standing in the corner like, oh, shit. And uh Mark in his head he's thinking it, it was worse than the first time he saw Bushman use those steel teeth. Uh, oh yeah, what Bushman has is he has like these steel teeth like jaws from James Bond. Uh, he pulls the guy's neck back after he's like mangled and manhandled him and he basically bites his throat out. They don't show him biting his throat because Comics Code Authority, but um it's implied. It's, it's heavily implied. So after that, um Bushman grabs the, the steel dagger, the jewel dagger, and he's like, "Ah, his weapon, a jewel encrusted steel dagger." Then there is a tomb, and uh, Specter goes over to the man, and the man is dying, and he basically says, "My daughter, third house, she's ah." Uh. And Spectre's like, "Oh, he's gone." So basically, um, Specter goes looking for the woman, and he kicks down the door, and she's like, "Oh, ma- oh, who are you? What do you want here?" And Specter just cuts the chase. He's like, shut up and listen. Your father's dead. And worse is going to happen to you unless you leave now. I saw the Jeep outside. Get in and go. So she starts doing what women do and you know, not paying attention to what he obviously said. And she starts yelling at him. She's like, you mercenary scum. You killed him. And he's like, look, lady, I didn't. But at, at this point, he doesn't care. He's just like, get out and go drive off.
0: Yeah. He even says like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I did kill him. That's right. And I'll kill you unless you get out of here fast. Cause he's just like, he's like, look, I, he just realized this lady's got to get out of here or she's dead too. So if, if I got to say I killed her, her dad to, uh, to get her out of here, then I'll say that.
1: Yeah. Whatever. But Bushman saw what happened. He comes around the corner. He's like, you're getting soft specter at this point. Um, you know, Uh, Bushman's like, no matter, the girl's trail will be easy to follow. And you did save my life, so I will overlook your little discretion this time. But, um, you know, he's basically like, you're you're on my shit list, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So, uh, a moment later, Specter goes over to Frenchie, and they're basically just like, you know, at this point, we we've got to we've got to stop. This has gone too far. Meanwhile, all the civilians from the village have been brought into the town square. And Bushman's about to just literally like have his guys like turn into a firing squad. So as they start firing, uh, Mark is like, oh, shit, like they're actually doing this. So he tries to stop it. But he's too late and they've killed everyone. So Spectre's like, You gunned them down and killed blood in cold blood, you filthy murderer. I should have let the old man kill you. And at this point, uh, you know, they start fighting and um, Spectre gets his ass kicked. And at this point, um, Bushman's like looking at Frenchie and he's like, Here's what you're gonna do you're gonna take him into the desert and you're just gonna drop him there. That's gonna be worse than if I just kill him. He's got he's got well, what he says to,
0: uh, to like one of his thugs because frenchie is kind of like they show him in the next panel Frenchie's kind of like watching like oh fuck
1: oh yeah i forgot the french never actively get involved they just come in <laughs> later excuse me for thinking they, he was actually ethical from
0: the shadows
1: they watch from the, shadows, watch from the shadows as everything turns to shit um so hours later mark wakes up and it's another really nice lawrence of arabia scene where you see him walking through the desert um I it, it very much, I can hear like the, the Lawrence Olivier music in the background. Da, 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 da,
0: all da, I ever hear when I'm re- watching this or reading this is Arabian nights. But right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just me. I've watched a little too much Aladdin in my day.
1: So what ends up happening is, uh, Mark is walking through the desert all night and hours later, a whole bunch of guys in robes eventually find him as he's coming across this like dune village and they go ahead And um, they find him, and he's basically almost dead. So uh, they they pull him in, and who happens to be there? The woman. The woman who he saved earlier is also in this temple. It happens to be the secret dig site that Bushman was looking for. And as a couple of the men go ahead and lay him on the floor, uh, one guy goes ahead and listens to his heartbeat, and he's like, Allah, he is dead, Missy. And the woman is like, oh, well, good. He's one of the guys who killed my father. He deserves to be dead. Leave him here where he belongs, rotting in the tomb. Go back to the packing. We will um, we will leave as soon as the storm outside dies. But you know she she plays a she plays like you know th- this this callous character. But immediately she she just starts crying. I,
0: I just laugh. I love so much here when she's like she's like grieving. She's kind of upset with herself, kind of questioning it. She's like, he did save me. You know that that might have been what cost him his life. So she's kind of like you know live starting to rethink it. Like maybe he wasn't a bad guy. And then she's like, he must've suffered horribly in the desert. And he was so handsome.
1: How she goes from you killed my dad to I would fuck this corpse is so <laughs> exactly. fast in like two panels. Yeah. So anyway, um, very
0: seventies slash eighties.
1: Very, very, very much so. Um. So basically they're just lying in this temple. And this is when the first time we see the statue of Khonshu, which basically looks like Moon Knight's costume, throwing on like a pharaoh's crown and stuff like that. And they're just like laying there. Next thing you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio after a bad coke binge, the dude just comes back to life. And ever and the narrator comes back, and he's like, perhaps it is a natural phenomenon which causes Mark Spector's heart to resume throbbing. Perhaps it is something else. And this is when he comes back, and he's like, whoa, whoa, "Who? where am I? Who am I? What's going on? Who are you? And the woman is like, "Oh my God, you were dead!" And he and points, handsome, yeah, and, and uh, he points to the statue of Khonshu and he's like, "No more than he is." And she's like, "Oh, you mean Khonshu? Because obviously, let's not talk about how you just came back from the dead. Uh, yes, one of the gods of the moon, known as the Taker of Vengeance, a figure of terror. Suddenly, Mark is a expert on Egyptian history, and um she's like how did you know that and he's like i am not sure and this is where things get kind of weird he he goes ahead and he takes the cape from the conchu statue and he wraps it around himself and he makes like a hood and he it's just it's just really weird because she's like what are you doing and he's like this robe is mine now and she's like mister you're del- you're delirious you must be you don't know what you're doing and he's like don't i don't the dead know what they are about because I died. Because I did die. Remember, I'm a ghost now, a specter of the moon. I can. You know what? I want Nicholas Cage to do this. They need to quickly recast. We need Nick Cage for this
0: as Moon Knight.
1: Yes, I'm a. I'm a ghost now. I'll take it. A specter yeah, of the moon. It. The moon's night of vengeance. And yeah, I've I'll got work it. to do. So immediately he goes ahead and he steals a car, and everyone is just like, "Uh, what just happened?" He's going into that storm, and what he does is he basically. Um, goes to a town where uh, Bushman and his people are, and he grabs a bunch of knives and shit, and he starts going, like, John Wick Batman on people. So he's, like, stabbing dudes and flipping around and throwing them. Next, he grabs a grenade, and he goes to this ta- to the town square where, like, all the people are being forced to dance for, like, Bushman's entertainment. And um, what... Mark does is he goes ahead and starts, like, setting off these grenades, blowing up all of his cars, so people are freaking out. It's like a real Batman entrance. And then suddenly, as Bushman's like, uh, somebody's lobbing grenades at us. That's when he comes over, and um, Bushman sees him, and he's like, you're all alone now, Bushman, just you and me. And Bushman's like, ah, uh, Spectre, it's you, isn't it? And he's like, Yeah, it's me, Bushman, but I've changed just like you into a figure of fear. He's very poetic for someone who was dead an hour ago. Yeah. Um, but anyway, somebody snuck around him to see what was going on. It happens to be that woman. And um, Marlene. Marlene, that's her name. And, and basically, what ends up happening is um, she screams because somebody comes up behind her and grabs her allowing Bushman to quickly escape. And Spectre's like, Oh, the girl release her now. And it happens to be Frenchie. And it turns out Frenchie just didn't want to, you know, have a ruin Mark's plot. So basically they start um, talking and she's like, I can't believe you did it. You've won all by yourself. And he's like, yeah, but Bushman got away. I wanted his blood for killing your father. And she's like, Oh, you mean he killed him while actually thinking I can fuck you now. <laughs> um, but she's like, I don't care if he got away, as long as you're safe. She's falling fast in like three pages, and uh, long story short, Mark is kind of coming out of this weird, like, psycho state he's been in since he's become the Moon Dude, and he uh, he goes ahead and falls into her arms because now he's getting delirious again, and he's like, "Tell me your name," and she's like, "It's Marlene," it's Marlene, and then he passes out. Um, after this, we basically take, uh, like, you know, a giant leap forward in time. And this is where we're catching up to like modern day moon Knight, And this is where things get kind of wonky to be a full-time vigilante and to be a one man army. What Mark Spector has done is he has created multiple personas for himself. So that way he can blend into different parts of society under different aliases One of them is Steve Grant, who's a millionaire Wall Street dude. Um, And this is basically the persona that's able to exist because Spectre as a mercenary mercenary was extremely rich. Now he's just actually going to live that rich life. And then you've got Jake Lockley, who's like a street-smart cabbie who hears everything. And this is like street-level, Mark. And then you've got Moon Knight. So he's created his costume. He's got all his shit. And now... All these personas are going to allow Mark Spector to wage a war on crime. So now he's back in New York because everything happens in New York. And who happens to be living with him? Happens to be Marlene. They're together now. They're a thing. Things have progressed nicely. Yeah. And um, what ends up happening is they end up hearing that uh, Bushman is in New York. So, of course he is. Because that makes so much sense because everything happens in New York. And at this point, um, we're getting to really see how far Mark has progressed as Moon Knight. He's got like his whole bat cave and shit like that. He's got a moon copter, that Frenchie fly. So you see, he's got he's got his mansion. He's got his Alfred. He's got his yep. gadgets. He's got his gimmick. This is very uh, kind of hard for some people to catch on unless you're just really into the fact that this is way more violent Batman.
0: He's kind of like Batman with a little, a touch of the supernatural and a touch of multiple, per- not not really multiple personalities, but multiple, multiple identities. Well, that, that it, it's, will it's, come it's like in Batman the play Three Bruce Wayne's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and they kind of do this in Batman year one, which I know we're going to cover later because in that yeah. one, he takes on a few different personas before he really feels comfortable jumping into Batman full time. Because he wants to be like a street level guy and all these other dudes, but he can't just go down as Bruce Wayne. So basically uh, we're seeing basically how Moon Knight operates now. So now he's in the the Jake the uh, was it Jake? Jake yeah, Jake Lockley persona. And he's going downtown and, and that's when he meets his friend Crawley. Crawley is a homeless guy who basically gives information. And he goes ahead and shows this scarab necklace that Marlene found recently showing that Bushman is back. And Crawley does this thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's near the Burley Club near Harlem because that's all you really need to do. So uh, he goes out, changes out of his Jake Lockley costume, jumps into the moon copter, which Frenchie is flying, and now he's gliding into the air looking like Batman. But it's Moon Knight, so everything is like moon-shaped, crescent moon-shaped.
0: I love how he just rolls right into the strip club, fully dressed in, in Moon Knight garb.
1: It's, it's so appropriate that I sound like a smoker as we're going into yeah. 70s Harlem.
0: Yeah, this actually works out
1: perfect. I sound like Gordon Godfrey. So Moon Knight falls from the sky.
0: Gilbert, young man. Gilbert
1: Gilbert Godfrey. Godfrey. So Moon Knight falls from the sky into this club. <laughs> and at this point, you see they a smoke, the strippers. Yeah, at this point, he walks in and he's seeing a bunch of goons drinking at a bad guy bar. So what does he start doing? He starts like beating the shit out of people. So, you know, you see a cool action scene. He's doing gymnastics, kicking guns out of hands, being a badass. He's got like these shurikens, which are basically sticks that hurt a lot. So he's just beating the shit out of people. And it's actually a pretty good action scene, better than a lot of other stuff I've seen. I feel like Marvel at a time. They they turned away from showing actual violence. You saw some of it still in like Daredevil. You didn't really see it even much in Spider-Man. I think Captain America, while well, people always thought it was just a very PC comic, uh, Captain America also had some really good fight scenes um, during this time as well. So I'm glad to see that Moon Knight definitely carries on with some good action. Um, he beats through... And basically he gets into the main man's office and who is there? Nobody. It's just an empty office. But what does he see on the desk? He sees a golden dagger and immediately hears a voice coming from the other side of the room. A memento. (laughs) The guy did not cough. Um, He's like, it's a memento, Mr. Specter." And suddenly Bushman is there. And um, Moon Knight spins around And he sees him for the first time in many years And he's like it's a memento Of a fabulous treasure stolen From the grasp of antiquity The only memento I was able to keep Thanks to you Spectre Thanks to your treachery I don't know how oh yeah well of course I know Because I was about to say how did he know It was him and I realized oh well you know There aren't many Moon dudes that go after Bushman So obviously he knows That this Moon Knight guy is Spectre hood, you know? Yeah not not very, not very good about that identity. So no wonder he got into, he he, he got into New York so easily. Uh, and now we see uh, Marlene. She's worried because God forbid she stay at home and let Mark do his job. She runs into the club downtown, and um, at this point, uh, Bushman is firing a gun at. Um,
0: I just love just the, just a. a- A very 70s slash 80s dialogue note. Marlene, when she's running to the club, she's she calls it this jiggle joint. (laughs) as how she refers to the strip club, which just cracked me up. Yeah.
1: And and like and and like most women, the jiggle joint tonight. and, And like most women in the 70s, she's only there to either get shot or saved. And what ends up happening as Bushman is firing his gun randomly, he accidentally shoots Marlene in the back so moon Knight's like marlene and he jumps on bushman he's like you stinking pig so they start beating the shit out of each other and eventually moon knight is like literally about to beat bushman to death but marlene's not dead i mean she's bleeding but she's she's kind of fucked up but like she she stops him she's like no stop you've beaten him no steven she's calling him after his steven persona the rich guy because like most women she only cares that he's rich um so Grits are good looking. That's what we've learned about Marlene. She's very shallow. You could kill her father, but if you're good looking in a corpse, she might fuck you. If you might have killed her father, but then you didn't, but then you got money somehow, then she'll just refer to you as your rich self. I'm not a big fan of Marlene, Mark. You're not? Really? No. She's, she gives I off MJ. Like Marlene. She gives off MJ vibes, but more shallow. Mm, interesting.
0: Really? More shallow than MJ?
1: more shallow than MJ. So basically she need to make a
0: case for that. I I, got to say, I, I Marlene was one of my highlights of the, of the series. I gotta be honest. I liked her.
1: So, um, she stops him and he's like, Marlene, you are, uh, you're all right, but he killed your father. See
0: uh, MJ would be at the club and then yelling at moon Knight for even fighting the Bushman in the first place. I don't think, I think it's very unfair to compare her to MJ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She does make a compelling case. She's like, yeah, it was my father, not yours. At the time, I thought you were the man, just as you were a man just as bad as him, Stephen. But even if he hadn't killed that man and given birth to the man you've become, I was wrong about you, and we both know it. You're not like him; you never were. So at this point, um, they decide to leave, and the cops are coming. So basically, uh, Moon Knight, Marlene, jet off into the mooncopter, and they leave Bushman to be arrested by the cops, and that is the end of. Issue one. I, I, I really like this issue. I like
0: that. Uh, Doug Mensch. this is a uh, Doug Manch is the writer here, and this was uh, his original creation from that werewolf by night series, which actually took place like five years earlier. So uh, I'm not sure how much I don't know how much Moon Knight was he in a lot of other series. Did he make a lot of cameo appearances before this?
1: He, he was in uh, the West Coast Avengers for a long time, like 80 issues. That was the first time I had read anything going way back with uh, with Moon Knight because I started collecting the West Coast Avengers in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and he was a staple of that of that team. He hooked up with Cheetah because he's awesome.
0: What happened to Marlene?
1: Yeah, don't fuck Marlene.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this this origin issue. Like it, it had that very. You know, very seventies vibe to it, uh, like like this series does, even though it's technically uh, we just breached nineteen eighty when this thing started. But yeah, same era basically. And uh, you know, it, it's it's just um, it's it's interesting because it, it doesn't go into like you don't really get the details of really what Moon Knight's powers are, or like why Kanchu imbued these powers upon him. We just kind of know that it happened and that's kind of okay. You know, like there's other writers that will later, later on go into more of the mythology and more of the relationship with Kanchu and what all that means. But for this, you didn't really need it. It, it just, it, he just gives you the basics. Like, here's what happened. Uh, here's how he became Moon Knight. Now we're going to zip ahead a few years later where he's got these three identities. Uh, he's been hanging out with Marlene still. And you, we kind of circle back just to see him sort of finish off his original origin storyline uh, by, by kicking the Bushman's ass. So it, it worked for me. As an intro issue,
1: I mean, I think it was really good. You said you got to see a lot of the character, and it was really good setting the world. It's a good launch. You didn't have to really know anything about him going forward. As a standalone issue, it's also really strong. So I say it's one of the better first issues I think we've reviewed. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like some are so built on foreshadowing and stuff like that, then it fails to just be a good story. Right. So now we're on to issue two. Moon Knight is firmly solidified as a new york-based vigilante and now we are dealing with the slasher and we get another one of those great monologue openings from the narrator blood there is blood blood in the heart and veins and flesh hot blood pumping red giving life blood there is blood blood in the city in the streets in the alleys cold blood draining crimson leaving death one man calls it murder Another calls it a harvest of remembrance. And we're dealing with the slasher. So basically what's going on is we're, we're on this dark city street and we see uh just a dude hanging out in this rough part of town uh, smoking. And this guy comes over. He's like, Hey man, can I bum a cigarette off of you? He offers the guy a cigarette and immediately the dude pulls out a scythe and fucking like, or a sickle. Yeah, it's a sickle. So the, the curvy thing that like commies use. So, he, he pulls it out and he just murders this dude like in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, he's he's talking to himself. He's just really, really kind of fucked up in the head. If you haven't taken that to account from the murder that just happened, he says, another harvest of lies reaped by the blade of truth, stinking lousy liar, even their blood's dirty. Thanks for the light, my friend. So we know that this guy is some type of like son of Sam, dude. He's, he's just freaking crazy. Meanwhile, Moon Knight is going around town, uh, busting up bad guys. He saves this rich dude from getting uh, attacked, and, um, you know, some dialogue happens. It's not important. Long story short, Moon Knight saved a guy. Moon Knight's a hero. Moon Knight jumps off in the moon copter. Bam, he's out. So now he's back in his uh, Jake Lockley persona, and he's hanging out at this local dive that he goes to. He's uh, he's ordering you know, some eggs from a friend, Gina, and he's looking at this newspaper. And what he basically sees is that the Skid Row slasher strikes again. And he's thinking to himself, huh, another one, a few blocks from the diamond incident. I was right there and I blew it. I let another one fail. The diamond incident was basically the rich guy earlier was carrying a briefcase full of diamonds. And what he's basically saying is, oh, if I hadn't saved that guy, I could have saved this other guy from getting murdered. It's, a, it's one of those catch-22 situations where you can't really save yourself either way. So I don't know why it feels too bad, but obviously heroes feel bad about not saving every person. Um, and Gina comes over. Gina's making him some eggs, and she's like, what's wrong, Lockley? Looks like you've just seen a ghost. And, and next thing you, know, we see Crawley come in. So Crawley is the dude that gives Jake all his information. Crawley is his ear to the ground. He's his huggy bear. But instead of being a pimp, he's just kind of like an alcoholic bum.
0: Yeah. I I, I like the character of Crawley a lot. I I love, this is the issue where, um, where he kind of puts his whole, what will become his sort of like street team together, which I just, I just really enjoy that, uh, like that he has these different, well, we'll get to, we'll get to how it all comes together, but I, I really enjoy that Moon Knight has different Different personas for different situations. So, when there's some, when he needs some street information, he needs to find out more about this killer, he becomes Jake Lockley and goes to the bar and and talks to Crowley. Uh, When he's Mark Spector, or no, when he's, when he needs to, you know, go to a fancy soiree, now he's Stephen Grant. And when he wants, needs to kick ass, he's Mark Spector, AKA Moon Knight.
1: So, Crowley comes in and Crowley's just really messed up. That guy that the slasher killed was his friend Eddie. And he's been, Crawley's friends for a year. So Eddie is just like, he already has a hard life being a homeless alcoholic and stuff, but his best friend's dead. And so he's just not doing well at all. So at this point, Mark realizes, Oh, this guy is now this is getting personal. He's messed with one of my friends. Uh, My, my voice is now turning into like Christopher, Christian Bale, Batman. Where is Harvey Dent? Yeah. So um, he, he realizes the slasher. Where's the slasher. So, um, now this whole thing has just uh, gotten a little out of control for Mark. He realizes, oh, this isn't just a random situation. This is a really bad situation. So he goes back to his mansion, the Grant Mansion, and um, you know we see that he's still canoodling with Marlene, and they're talking about uh, who Moon Knight is and just why 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 he continues to do this. So at one point. Um, you know, he he calls himself appointed. He feels appointed to be Moon Knight. And she's like, you're appointed, Stephen? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, not me, Marlene. Moon Knight's appointed. And she's like, oh, in case you haven't noticed, sir, there isn't much of a difference between you and Moon Knight. <coughs> Would you mind if we just stopped after this issue? Nope. Okay. We're going to stop after this issue. Yeah, that's fine. There's a big difference, which is why Moon Knight exists. Me, Lockley, and even Mark Spector are too normal, capable of too much emotion, including fear. Moon Knight is a pure primal force stripped of emotion, a being who can get the job done without conflicting feelings. And she's like, you know, I that, that that's kind of bull, Steven. And you know, it kind of scares me. And he's like, Moon Knight scares you? And she's like, yeah, even so, even if there is a big difference, it's all in your mind. And I'd wish you'd admit it before you got yourself killed. That's really important because throughout Moon Knight's existence, this has been planted since issue one, all these different personas living together. And now Moon Knight is more so often not remembered for being the very capable vigilante But for being one of the first severely mentally ill characters to be a hero in comics, because what ends up happening to him is more mainstream Moon Knight uh, fans might know is that he's a paranoid schizophrenic. So I just think it's really cool that even back then in issue two, they're having this conversation of like, who are you and can you keep them all separate? Are they really that different? That's
0: something that Jeff Lemire goes really dives deep into on on his run of the character is kind of the somewhat like schizophrenia of Mark Specter, where he doesn't always. Sometimes he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't even know which persona he is. Which they don't really go into here, but they they do actually. When you look back, they actually do kind of lay the groundwork for that a bit. I mean, not intentionally, obviously, but.
1: Anyway, we go back to following Crawley, and Crawley's just having a bad day. We basically get to see his life, and he lives in the skids. He's living just you know, paycheck to paycheck, and at one point he runs into his landlord, and he's a month's late on his rent. And if he can't pay his rent, then he's going to get kicked out on the street. So next thing you know, uh, he's walking alone, and he sees another friend of his, Jeremiah. He's like, Jeremiah, is that you? And he's like, it's me, Crawley. You hear about what happened last night uh, in Reno, Eddie? And he's like, I heard, Jeremiah, I heard that he makes five now, five mutual acquaintances, gone, just gone. So that's a lot of people who were dying. So basically, his friend is just really concerned about, um, you know, what's going on, and they're just checking in on each other. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah walks off, and next thing you know, Crawley's just walking around the corner, and what ends up happening, Crawley runs into another dude that's been slashed to death. So he trips on him. He looks down. He's like, oh, no, no, help, murder, help. He just runs off. So now we see um, uh, Crawley is trying to get away. And what ends up happening is he runs into the slasher who ends up killing him, maiming him. We don't know because quickly it, it, it shifts to the next scene where we see Spectre and Marlene making out in front of a fire like a, Bro does. So they end up uh, hearing that they need to go ahead and go to this um, big party, this soiree. They are getting ready to leave. Meanwhile, we go back to Gina's diner, and as she's closing up, she sees that um, Crawley has basically managed his way back to the diner for help, and he's on the floor bleeding. He's not dead, but he's really screwed up. So um, Gina takes him to the hospital, and, you know, everyone is just kind of like, how do you know this homeless guy? This homeless guy's crazy. He's probably the slasher. And the cops don't really believe him. And they call him a bum. And Gina defends him. She's like, that bum is a man, a human being, just like you or me. And the guy's like, and I'm not doing this to be funny. I'm just reading what he says. Hey, he's up, sister. What's the deal? He a friend or something? And she's like, you got it, ace. It's very 70s jive turkey. So. Indeed. Um, At this point, you know, she's going to go ahead and take care of um, uh, Crowley's hospital bills and stuff like that. And the cops have just basically said, listen, we're not going to be able to find this guy. Go hire a private investigator or something. Meanwhile, um, Jake Lockley is, uh, you know, Marcus in the Jake Lockley persona. He's driving people around. hears about what happened in the hospital. Meanwhile, these two, and this doesn't look right in today's day and age. But he drives over to the hospital, and um, what ends up happening is these two black guys walk up behind him, and before he can really figure out what's happening, they're just like, hey, man, are you? And he just beats the shit out of them real fast. And he and the kids are like, hey, ease up, man. We don't want your money. We're just trying to help our mother and find Jake Lockley. And he's like, mother, wait, you mean you're genus kid's? And he's like, the same. And you, bro, you're a mean for a cabbie. And they see how Marlene walks around the corner with a gun. I love how that
0: they she sends her kids out to find this cabbie, like, who then kicks their asses because he thinks they're cause he assumes. Why? I don't know. Cause it maybe cause it's the seventies and- Does
1: he have some personal prejudices that he needs to address? It's quite possible. <laughs> Mark Specter is totally canceled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very canceled.
1: Yeah, he pulled the trigger on that. So anyway they they pull him back and um they're they're with uh, Crowley and Gina and at this point they're like okay you need to go ahead and uh tell us what happened and I'm going to tell you a secret I'm going to tell you who I really am because I want to stop this so next day he presses a button like Bruce Wayne and we see the Moon Knight costume so at this point he has just exposed that he to all his friends is Moon Knight so now you have an equal footing of trust at this point um They should have been able to tell that something was up because they actually got everyone gathered at Stephen Grant's house. So obviously this cabbie must be a millionaire. So now they're just making sure that all the awkwardness is gone. I think it's a good move. Very good move. And, um, you know, at this point, Crowley is like, you know, I think I I think I know who this guy might be. But I need to tell you a little bit about myself before I get to that point, because I think a lot of this has to do with me and why he didn't kill me. So we see Crowley's life history in about six panels. He was a businessman, had a regular normal class family, became an alcoholic, started abusing his wife, lost his job, lost money. They gave birth to a child. They got divorced. He didn't give a shit. She walked away with the kid, and he ended up just becoming a hobo alcoholic. And um, you know, he said, I, I came to Manhattan, did a nosedive into the Bowery, and 20 years later, here I am. Well, like I said, maybe it's time I got back on the merry-go-round and be nice to get a nice place, new clothes for a change. She's just very melodramatic. And uh, all his friends are basically saying, listen, man, no matter what you did back then, this doesn't mean you're a bad person, that you deserve all of this now. It's just a bad 20 years. So at this point, um, we see that Mark is going to basically go undercover as a homeless person in the Bowery. So uh, he goes ahead and dresses up as basically a bum on the street to lure the slasher. And this guy comes over and he's like, "Hey, just sleep in there. Come on, man. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pickpocket you and shit like that." But this is actually kind of funny because under-
0: they fool the readers here too because he's wearing like the same jacket that the sl- that we saw the slasher guy wear before.
1: Yeah, but what's funny is that when Moon Knight jumps up and punches him, he's wearing the Moon Knight costume underneath it, yeah. which is okay. <laughs>
0: It must have been hot and all those well it is New York and who knows what month it is, but that's a lot of layers, man, because he's already wearing a lot of layers with this homeless outfit. Then he's got the full Moon Knight garb underneath.
1: Yeah, so basically what's up happening is he's like, oh, this wasn't the guy. Meanwhile, um Crawley finds another dead body around the corner and he's like, Oh get him. The slasher's running that way. So Moon Knight chases the slasher, uh, beats him down. The slasher tries to stab him, but it's not happening. So he beats him up, they call the cops and bam he's um uh he's arrested. Meanwhile, the cops go ahead and ask Crowley, they're like, "Hey, you saw this moon knight character subdue him, right?" And basically now what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and bring him in because he he's a suspect, he's also a victim. So, Crowley's going to go ahead and testify at the um at the uh at the trial. But there's a reason and why who else
0: is going to be there in court? Stephen Grant, not Mark Spector, of course.
1: Yeah. This whole time, Crowley's just been really emotionally disturbed by this. And there's a reason why he said his life story to his friends, because something is just bugging him. Remember, he's severely, like, fucked up in the head. He goes back to his apartment. And he's like, I know that face. I've seen the slasher before. He pulls out a little memento box, and he looks at some photos, and he's like, oh, God, I know who the slasher is. So the next day at court, they start speaking, and as the slasher is in in the courtroom, uh Crowley gets called to the stands and they're like we need you to point to the killer and Crowley has a breakdown and he's like I I can't do this. Like don't you see I can't? Don't you understand? It's all my fault this is happening. It's all my fault this derelict is right there. He's he's um, you know, he he's it's he's my fault as a human being, as a father. I can't blame him. I can't blame my son. And this is when the big mm-hmm. Moment happens where the big reveal. The big reveal where we, we take a flashback back to Crowley's apartment, see what the photo was in the box. It's a photo of the slasher as a kid. It was his son. So now the slasher jumps up um and you know he he starts screaming, then it was you I found. And I let you slip. You're the only one who ever escapes. It was you. This
0: bailiff sucks, man. This bailiff did nothing to stop this guy. Yeah.
1: So he, uh, the slasher, his son attacks Crowley and he's like, It took me years. Mm -hmm. Mother died because of you. You left her and she died. So that's why he didn't kill him because he reminded him too much of his father. He didn't know and it bothered him. So this is so weird. Neither of them recognized each other. Well,
0: he left him when he was literally a baby. So I can't imagine he'd recognize him per
1: se. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I actually did, when I read this first time, I didn't see it going this way.
0: No, not at all. I thought this would just be like a very standard, they catch the slasher, whatever, and he's nobody, but they immediately tie- tied it into uh, this Crowley guy, yeah. which is
1: interesting. So basically, um, the slasher grabs one of the bailiff's guns, he shoots him, starts shooting around, and he gets out, and there's just, you know, it's 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 anarchy everywhere. So Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Stephen Grant, runs out, gets in the Moon Knight costume, and starts immediately chasing him. Uh, at this point, um, Gina and uh, Crowley are running off, and, you know, uh, Moon Knight has basically caught him, but Crow- but the Slasher's shooting back. They get to this rooftop at one point, and at this point, he's like, um, you know, stop, hold it, Moon Knight's saying this. Please, son, don't back up anymore, because if he backs up anymore, he's going to fall off the building. But like a moron and a bad guy, he keeps walking off. And he falls off the building and Moon Knight tries to dive down to save him. But at that point, he already fell down. But what's really fucked up is he fell off the building in front of Crowley. So Crowley is just like really screwed up. He's like, oh, my God, no, my son, Jimmy, Jimmy, I didn't even know. And next, you know, Moon Knight comes down and Crowley is like, well, Jake, I I guess we did it. Solved our first case together. And neat, too, saving the state the expense of, you know, the expense of having to, like, rehabilitate him. And it's just <laughs> such a weird thing to say. Like, that's really fucking weird. And Moon Knight doesn't make it any normal. <laughs> He's just like, I tried to stop him, Crowley. Believe me, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't. And Crowley's just like, I know, Jake. It wasn't your fault. It happened a long time ago, 20 years ago in Trenton. And it Trenton, New Jersey, because everything terrible happens and starts from New Jersey. Um, yes. and it wasn't your fault. It was mine, all mine. And I let it get away. Let's slip away into the gutter. And that is, uh, that is the end of this issue. And I know we only covered two issues. They were about 50 pages altogether, but there's a lot of story in that. The first issue was covering a lot of the origin, taking you from the past to the present to really make the world and Uh, Canon of Moon Knight very apparent and then this issue basically it starts what I would consider to be like a very detective comics esque book but there's a lot more depth to this and it is it is really good
0: yeah one thing about like a lot of like 70s 80s even really everything prior to that books splash pages aren't really a thing like sometimes, but really not really like almost every page is like eight, to 12 panels. So you do find like reading these older stories, like you get a lot packed into 23 pages where you might check out a Marvel or DC book today and you might fly through that thing in like five minutes. But a lot of these books from the seventies, same page length, but maybe three times the story sometimes.
1: Oh yeah. I mean um, the artwork is great, but I mean, this is, I would call this Batman with layers, Because, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the main – all my favorite Batman stories are limited series or one-offs or like non-canon stuff like Elseworld stories. And this is one of the problems with Batman at the time. I think why Moon Knight came in and really satisfied a lot of DC readers who went over to Marvel because this was Batman that was more violent, that was more grounded, that got to play with cooler characters from the Avengers and the street-level world of Marvel and was not afraid to shy away from just some really dark shit. And this was a really dark issue.
0: And probably not a coincidence that Doug Mensch would go on. I don't know if he – he might have done Batman before this, but I know he was writing a lot of Batman books in like the late 80s, early 90s as well. Uh, he, did, he did a few of those books that we read uh, when we covered uh, Nightfall.
1: Oh, it, it, so it, I it, didn't it even realize sense. that. Mm-hmm. That's wild. So. I, I think we're gonna go ahead and cap off here today. Uh let's go yeah, ahead and I think, jump. I
0: think for for the for the health of, of young Remzo here, we're just gonna do two issues, but we, we did read a we did go a little further in the series. I
1: was Steve O, I was Christian Bale. I was uh, Gilbert Godfrey. I, I, I put it in, folks. So, Mark, let's just go ahead and jump into the review. You start.
0: Sure, yeah. Well, th- this was like, like I said, I had been exposed to the character before on and off, but never had, you know, other than that Jeff Lemire series, which I recommend, but it, it's very different than this. It's a very different vibe in this. That, that one is much more of like a getting into the psyche of Moon Knight and his various personas and a little bit of the schizophrenia and him. I mean, it's really it's really trippy, actually, I, I would say. So I, I do recommend Jeff Lemire's run. But um, these two issues were a really good introduction to the character. Uh, I like that in in these two issues, we... There's so much here. Like there's there's the um the sort of mercenary aspect of, of Mark Specter and us seeing that while he was this mercenary, he's a mercenary with the heart of gold, he tried to do the right thing. Uh one thing that strikes me is there's very little, even though he is sort of a supernaturally based character, there's really nothing supernatural in the story itself, other than the fact that kanju I guess, brought him back to life, but we don't even really see anything about that. So it, it even though it's a supernaturally based character, it feels very street level because it is very street level uh, story wise. And, and I really enjoy that he gets this team put together very quickly. You know, he's got this team. And then as, as we go through the series, that team is like, it, they're helping him out with everything. So and and I don't know if I think it is, is it in this issue where he, they real, yeah, they found out that he is more than just Jake Lockley. I think
1: in this one, or that might be the next issue. He's not just a cabbie. He's rich.
0: Yeah. He's not just a cabbie. He's this rich guy uh, who's friends with these homeless guys. So, and, and now he's like, well, um, I'm rich. <laughs> you're on you're undercover let's- boss. Yeah, you're yeah, exactly. And now you all work for me now. So he's got, you know, he's got like Gina's kids who are working with him. He's got Crowley, he's got Marlene, uh who even though you gave her MJ vibes, I, I still dig her and I, I just really I like that it suddenly just feels like a a, a very a very '70s street level team team book, and I, I I just love team type stuff, which I didn't necessarily know I was going to get at a Moon Knight. Uh, love Frenchie, can't get enough Frenchie. Uh, he basically just talks like anybody else, except he says Z instead of the Z. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's enjoyable if you, if you're into the sort of the, the, the '70s stick. It reminds me a lot of the vibe of I got um, when I back when I was doing the Random Marvel Comics podcast on the Patreon, which I stopped doing because they took away the Random Comic button and Bastards. I just don't know how to do it now. Um, but I, I ended up reading uh, a Shang Chi annual, and this has a very similar vibe to that. Where um, Shang Chi has like these other characters that he's other like British MI6 agents that he's working with, uh, and it, it does have that like team feel, which I, I feel like is a very a very 70s thing. Everybody had like their sidekicks, uh, their you know their female companion, their street level informants. Um, so it, it very much has that has that vibe to it, and it's it's really fun. Uh, I, I would just say it's like a, it's a really fun read, especially if you go deeper into this run and I may I may do that I may continue that myself because I've been enjoying it as well um, it's it's uh, yeah it's it's very uh, how do I say I don't know how else to say it I liked it though I'll it's put it that different
1: way. and it's welcome exactly
0: um, so even though it does like you know it does pull from archetypes of a lot of different characters it does it does feel and it feels like it very much fits the times it also feels pretty original at the same time um, so I, I do recommend it this is uh, the writing by Doug Mensch I'm going to go ahead and give the writing oh let's say like a 3.5, you know, it's, it's well above average, I would say, or decently above average. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just solid comic book writing. Um, and then art wise, the the art is by Bill Senkowitz here. Again, like you said earlier, like it the art it's the art is the art fits the times. You know, it is of the times. It's very uh, seventy style art, uh, but it does the job. It gets the job done. Um, I don't know. This might be interchangeable. Like Bill Sanquist might be interchangeable with a lot of other artists at the time. That probably is the case. Um, so I'm going to give the art. I'm also going to give the art a 3.5. So I'm going to round this thing up to a to a solid seven here for the debut of Moon Knight.
1: I'm going to go a step further than you, Mark. I really think that for a character that when you see him, you might judge him immediately. You get a lot of depth and a lot of good story, especially in these first two issues, which is very important as to whether or not somebody at this time would consider collecting Moon Knight monthly. I'm going to go ahead and give it an eight. I'm sorry, a four for story and a four for artwork uh, for a total score of eight out of 10. Wow. Wow. High praise from Mr. Martinez. Yeah. So that gives it a total 15 out of 20, 15 out of 20.
0: I'd say that that flies under that's probably in the, uh, we'd recommend it, but not quite must read. It's a good Sunday read. A good Sunday read, as Remzo would say. Yes, indeed. Well, that's
1: all I've got, Mark.
0: Yeah, well, uh, again, if you want to uh, donate to the Build Remzo's Bubble so we can keep him safe for future episodes of this podcast, even though he's indicating he m- might refuse to stay in the bubble. I but, immediately uh, want to go
1: jujitsu <laughs> the moment I stop talking. Well,
0: I don't know if I approve of that. But we'll we'll <laughs> talk about that on air. But patreon.com slash pod to help us grow this program. And, uh, of course there are many other amazing ways you can help us out. One a biggest one is by leaving us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts. If you're one of our many new fans that we got uh, in the last month, we've had a number of new people coming into the show. Uh, if you haven't done that yet, that's the, that's the first thing I ask. Even before, okay, maybe fine. Maybe, maybe giving us money should be first. But but uh, really, no, that, that's the easy, free way that anybody can help us out just by going over to Apple Podcasts, leaving us that five-star rating and that great review. That really helps us with the algorithms, uh, helps more people find this show when they type in comic books or what have you and uh, that's what we're trying to do here is really build build that community so that, that's really the number one way you can help us out and of course the Patreon if you'd like to financially support us that's welcome too uh, but really we're just happy to have you here for the journey as I teach this young Latino boy to read here at Second Book Comics
1: yeah. uh, That's about it well as always folks remember if you remember nothing from this show there's one thing to always take with you forever and beyond Read comics Change change the the world Good night America Adios